Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. If you're a coffee drinker, I have some important information you need to know. You see, coffee is the number one source of antioxidants people are consuming all around the world. It's rich in chlorogenic and caffeic acid, which stabilize blood sugar, support your gut health, and improve your brain. But there is a dark side to coffee. It often carries mold, dangerous mycotoxins, and is heavily sprayed with pesticides that lead to chronic disease. It's also acidic, causing stomach issues, and many have to stop drinking coffee as they get older because it irritates their stomach lining. And that is why I started drinking Life Boost Coffee. I wanted something that had all the health benefits with none of the mold and chemicals found in regular coffee. Plus, it's a shade-grown coffee, which is naturally a low-acid coffee that doesn't hurt my stomach. They have hundreds of testimonials of people who couldn't stomach traditional coffee who can now enjoy coffee on a daily basis without any digestive discomfort. They also third-party test for 450-plus toxins, including mycotoxins, molds, heavy metals, pesticides, and even glyphosate, just to make sure it's the cleanest, healthiest cup they can provide to their customers. I also really like these guys because they build schools for the farmer's children near the coffee farms where they harvest their coffee beans, and they are corporate sponsors of the Rainforest Trust to prevent deforestation and protect wildlife. They really care about the environment. And because you're listening to my podcast right now, you can get 50% off your first order by going to www.lifeboostdeal.com. That's L-I-F-E-B-O-O-S-T-D-E-A-L.com. They serve a variety of organic coffees as well as healthy, low-acid, flavored, and decaf options. This isn't just an ad. I'm a Life Boost customer as well. Life Boost Coffee is low-acid, shade-grown, clean, and free of toxins, and it tastes amazing. Just go to, again, www.lifeboostdeal.com to get 50% off now. Well, hey, everybody, we're back for another Q&A session. I know you guys love these, and we're going to go through a lot of hot topics, health conditions that a lot of people are dealing with, and a lot of the questions that you have and may have asked or may have not even thought to ask, we're going to address that in this Q&A. So be sure to listen all the way to the end. I have got my rock star health coach, Melissa Noor here. You can check her out on our website. She works with people all over the world virtually. Um, and so if you're looking for a great health coaching, she's the best. Definitely check out Melissa. And if you haven't subscribed to our channel, please do that and leave us a five-star review because when you leave us a review, it actually helps us reach more people and impact more lives with this message. So thanks so much, Melissa. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. I'm glad to get started. I love doing our Q&As. We get a lot of positive feedback and I think it's a great service to people so you want to get started with some questions? Yep, let's do it. All right. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to start with Tony. He um, posted this question on Instagram. 
He has been on a low carb diet for six months and his cholesterol went from 226 to 335. So that would be his total cholesterol. His triglycerides went down from 125 to 75 and his HDL is 70, but his LDL is 240. He says he's lean, feels good, but he's wanting to know if he should be concerned about his cholesterol levels. Yeah, this is a great question. So his total cholesterol went up, looks like a little over 100. And his HDL went up, or his HDL is in a good, a healthy ratio. You said it was what, 70? 70, right. Yeah, 70, which is good. That's that's really where we want to see that HDL. Um, and his triglycerides dropped. Is that correct? Right. So they're 75 now. So that would be yeah. a good ratio with the HDL, correct. right? At one to one. Correct. I always like to see on a fasting blood test, and I always say fasting because if you got a blood test, you know, two hours after you ate, triglycerides would be higher. But if on a fasting blood test, where you've been fasting 12, 14 hours, we want to see those triglycerides under 100. And we want that triglyceride HDL ratio to be as close to one as possible. Most people think of that HDL as like the good cholesterol. So we want triglycerides HDL to be as close to one as possible. And his is 75 and 70, which is basically just about one. That's a good ratio. That means that he's very insulin sensitive. And so he had started on a low carb diet. And one of the benefits of a low-carb diet is it gets your body more insulin-sensitive. And that's what we're seeing here because his triglycerides have come down. However, his LDL has gone up. Now, normally, when we're looking at the LDL to HDL ratio, we like to see it three parts LDL, one part HDL or less, right? Like, like a two-to-one ratio or three-to-one ratio. It's typically where we like to see it. However, there is – he did say he was lean – right? He said he was lean in there. Yes. Yeah. So there is a response that certain individuals get, particularly lean individuals when they're on a lower carb, higher fat diet. It's called a lean mass hyper responder. Um, and with these individuals, and I'm actually one of them, they can see a larger increase in LDL particles, but they're fasting insulin. I would imagine with him, he said he's feeling good. I would imagine with him seeing that his triglycerides have gone down, his HDL is in a good ratio, or it's at a, it's at a good number, that he's probably very insulin sensitive. And when you're very insulin sensitive and you're very lean, your body ends up producing more LDL, right? For some individuals, they end up producing more LDL. Now, the, pro, the, the question we have to ask is a deeper question because in modern medicine, they think LDL, all LDL are bad right? Like that if you have LDL particles, this is heart disease waiting to happen, right? These LDL particles are going to become oxidized and they're, and they're going to be damaging your endothelial lining of your blood vessels. But that's not actually true. What we found is that there are um, large, fluffy LDL particles and there are small, dense LDL particles. And the typical pattern we see is somebody that's insulin resistant and more inflamed, they have higher inflammatory markers, they're going to have these small, dense LDL particles. I believe we call that pattern B. And so, whereas the large, fluffy LDL particles, those particles are actually, um, they have a lot more fat-soluble antioxidants like vitamin E and vitamin A that help protect them from oxidative stress. And there's just less oxidative stress and inflammatory activity in the body so those LDL particles 
have more success getting their cargo because LDL is really a bus. And it's important to understand what LDL is. Low-density lipoproteins, it absolutely has. It's actually a protein. We call it a cholesterol. It's actually a protein, but it carries cholesterol along with phospholipids, fat-soluble nutrients out to cell membranes. It's actually a bus bringing uh, precious cargo to help repair cell membranes, um, and it's bringing that out. And so, um, so anyways, with that said, it's able to have more success bringing that cargo to the cells without being oxidized. Whereas somebody that's very insulin resistant and more inflamed has more oxidative stress and therefore they're less successful getting the LDL particles to the cell membranes and the LDL particles as they're floating around in the bloodstream have a higher propensity to get oxidized and damage the endothelial lining of the blood vessels. So that's what we're looking at there. That seems like a great pattern. Obviously, it's good to know, you know more about your overall health history. But in general, that seems like a, a good pattern. Um, also, if you're exercising regularly, that's another factor that oftentimes will elevate LDL if you're doing like a lot of resistance training. because And it makes sense because, again, LDL is a bus carrying precious cargo uh, for cells to repair. And when you're exercising you are creating more, a little bit more uh, cellular stress. And so your repair mechanisms uh, may need to be elevated. Anything else for you to add there, Melissa? That was a really great response. I'm very thorough. I don't really have more to add. I was going to ask, mention the exercise piece. And of course, we want him to be exercising, you know, so that can help with cholesterol typically, but in certain circumstances, raise LDL. And yeah. then also looking at what he's eating. Mm. Um, he says low carb, but low carb, I had one client and his low carb diet was eating the tops off of a pizza buffet. So eating, not eating the crust, but eating the top. And, you know, right. that's not a healthy low carb. So we're all about nutrient density and making sure that low carb diet is also a nutrient dense, healthy diet. So that's, that a would really, be- that's a really good point I want to add in. A lot of people when they're doing low carb are consuming a lot of seed oils. They're they're consuming a lot of foods that have soybean oil, you know, a lot of salad dressings and things like that, sesame right. oil. A lot of these types of seed oils can create more oxidative stress in the system. So we want to move away from those. I know we're going to have some other questions about different types of oils as we go on, but we want to move away from the seed oils, really reducing our exposure to those as much as possible and really consuming you know, the, the healthier fats, the saturated fats like coconut oil, um, grass-fed butter, beef tallow, grass-fed beef tallow, extra virgin, high polyphenol, extra virgin olive oil, avocados, things like that. And away from, you know, the, the corn oil, canola oil, soybean oil, those things really ramp up oxidative stress and inflammation in your system. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so um, and we, we'll talk more about that in a little bit, but let's move on to Michelle. She had a question from YouTube. So she was responding to a video. She doesn't mention which one, but she is suffering from many of the issues that you mentioned in that video, which are hair loss, fatigue, um, GERD, which is reflux, um, low ferritin, which is your iron store. So that's a sign of an anemia, digestive issues and fibromyalgia. And then she says she could go on and on. So obviously dealing with a lot of health issues, which we see a lot with our clients. Usually by the time they come to us, they've got a lot of things going on. So she says she also had her gallbladder removed two years ago and she feels she's not absorbing nutrients. She has cracking nails, dry skin, a lot of other things. So she wants to know what to do to improve her health. 
Yeah. So she's dealing with a lot of things and my heart goes yeah. out to her. Obviously she's, uh, she's suffering, but she's on YouTube. She's watching videos, really trying to improve her health. And so first thing, you know, that really jumped out to me, there was the low ferritin at eight. Now that doesn't necessarily mean anemia. Like she may not be clinically diagnosed with anemia. Usually the red blood cells are going to look at red blood cells and hematocrit. Uh, in order to diagnose that. But it does tell us from a functional perspective that she's either not consuming enough iron, she's not absorbing enough iron. So it's like one of these three things, either not consuming enough, not absorbing enough, so the, something going on with the digestive system, or she's losing too much blood, right? So maybe she's having really heavy menstruation, or she just, you know, recently had some sort of uh, injury that she lost a lot of blood in. Um, but for some reason, she doesn't have this storage form of iron. And that's going to impact her ability to produce enough hematocrit to bring oxygen to the cells of the body. And when you don't, when you're not, when you're not able to produce or bring enough oxygen to the cells of the body, uh, a lot of your hormones get affected. For example, thyroid hormone, thyroid hormone production and utilization, your overall cellular metabolism goes down. And that's oftentimes, you know, the root cause of, you know, the sort of dry skin. I think she said like weak nails or something like that, thinning hair. Right. Is that what she said? Yeah, hair loss, fatigue. Yeah, hair loss. Yeah, so we see that with the anemia. We see that with hypothyroidism. And oftentimes, it's not always the case, but oftentimes- one of the root causes of hypothyroidism is anemic tendencies, right? Or low, you know, blood oxygen. And so that's really one of the first things we've got to address there. And so when we look at it, we have to ask, is she eating enough iron? Is she a vegan, right? Is she consuming a high processed food diet? If she is, that could be the cause, right? If not, if she's consuming red meat, she's consuming a lot of iron, then we have to ask, is she absorbing that iron? What is her nutrient absorption like? Is she producing enough stomach acid, bile, pancreatic enzymes? Obviously, she said she lost her gallbladder. She had a gallbladder surgery. So we know that there's some issues going on with overall digestive function, the overall absorption. And of course, we have to ask, is she having heavy menstruation, right? Is, is she right. losing a lot of blood, which is, that's the most common cause when it's blood loss is heavy menstruation. Obviously, you know, somebody could have lost a lot of blood in car accident or, you know, some sort of injury, but most commonly when they come to us, if there's a blood loss issue, it's a female having heavy menstruation. So those are the first three big questions we've got to ask and try to address that. I'm leaning towards number two because of the fact that she had the gallbladder taken out, but it could be a combination of those or it could be just one of them. So that's really the first question that I ask with this. And uh, what comes to your mind there, Melissa? Well, she mentions digestive issues. So my first thought is, you know, we always focus on the gut as being foundational. So that's what I would look at. And with, she mentions anemia. I'm not sure if she's been diagnosed with anemia, but often infections like H. pylori will lead to anemia so or and low ferritin so i would definitely want to look at the gut any infections that may be contributing um and also like you said the diet would be key so what is she consuming are there food sensitivities contributing to her symptoms she mentions fibromyalgia I often think of high oxalates uh, you know um that's often misdiagnosed as fibromyalgia so oxalates can accumulate in your joints and cause a lot of pain and so I would really want to do some testing with her. I think the organic acids test would be a great test for her because she mentions a lot of things that 
um, are covered in the organic acids test, even nutrient deficiency so and oxalate. So I think that would be a great test for her to do. Yeah, for sure. And there's also a very strong correlation between small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and anemia, as well as yeah. fibromyalgia, right? So fibromyalgia yeah. is very, very commonly associated with that. Part of that is because there's a higher production of bacterial endotoxins. And those bacterial endotoxins can damage the nervous system and make it closer to threshold. So your pain, your 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 sensitivity to pain becomes closer to threshold. So a lower stimulus that you know somebody else may not have you know, experienced as pain or really even felt, um, an individual with fibromyalgia feels as pain. And so oftentimes, again, that's associated with some damage that was done to the nervous system from bacterial endotoxins, causing this hypersensitivity type of response. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have gotten amazing results once they start healing the gut, optimizing their digestion, optimizing nutrient status. So those would be the things that we would want to focus on. But you know what? If you're on YouTube and you're starting to look at this, you're probably doing some of the low-hanging fruit, which is follow a blood sugar stabilizing diet, try to get good sun exposure, optimize your sleep, um, exercise, right? Things like that. If you're not seeing that move the needle, which you know when you have an anemia, right, or anemic tendencies, you're, it's it's pretty hard to heal that without, um, you know, especially if it's a digestive issue without getting some functional health coaching. That's really what I would recommend is, is you know, go at, reach out to Melissa, melissa at drjockers.com. And uh, she can look through your entire health history, previous labs you've had, you know, help you order the right labs and customize a plan for you to address these issues. And so that's really, really important um, for a lot of people out there that are suffering like this, trying to do it all by yourself uh, really becomes frustrating. So get those, you know, start with the, the foundational principles, but reach out to somebody like Melissa that can help navigate this, this journey for you. And I was just thinking that because we threw out so many different options and that can be so overwhelming for people. And then they're looking at YouTube and different practitioners are recommending different things on YouTube. So really with someone with, with these many, this many issues, I would encourage you reach out. I love to work with people who have a lot of issues and aren't, getting answers and just trying to figure it out and putting the puzzle pieces together. So love to help you. So like Dr. Jockers, he gave you my email, reach out if you'd like to do that. I just wanted to take a moment and tell you guys about Paleo Valley and their apple cider vinegar complex. This is a phenomenal product to help improve your digestion, your blood sugar stability, and your energy levels. Most people are dealing with blood sugar imbalances, and that can lead you to have a crash in the afternoon where you need a nap. It can also lead to unwanted weight gain, to inflammation affecting your joints, your skin, and all different parts of your body. Well, you know what? Apple cider vinegar is one of the best things for helping improve your blood sugar stability. You simply take it with meals, and it helps reduce the glycemic impact of the food that you're consuming. And that's gonna help your body to burn fat for fuel. It's gonna reduce overall levels of insulin. And insulin is your pro-inflammatory fat storage hormone. We wanna get insulin under control. You know what I love about the apple cider vinegar complex? 
that Paleo Valley made is they have a thousand milligrams of apple cider vinegar, which is equivalent to one and a half tablespoons. That is really the clinical dose to get the best results. On top of that, <clears throat> they combined it with 300 milligrams of turmeric which is a powerful anti-inflammatory herb, 300 milligrams of ginger. These are warming herbs that support good digestion, good stomach acid production. They also help to reduce inflammation in the gut and throughout the body. And they have 150 milligrams of cinnamon, which is one of the best herbs for improving insulin sensitivity and blood sugar stability. And they added in 50 milligrams of lemon into the apple cider vinegar complex to support bile flow and pancreatic enzymes. So you can really optimize your digestion and your nutrient absorption. All these ingredients are organic. So you can rest assured you're getting the highest quality product. So if you wanna check out the apple cider vinegar complex, go to paleovalley.com and use the coupon code JOCKERS to save 15% off today. All right, so let's go on to Braden. So Braden's on YouTube also, and he asks about what if he reacts to everything, even meats? And this is bad clients like this. It's a, a difficult issue. So he's on carnivore now, which is the ultimate elimination diet, and he still reacts. So he says he also has mold issues, which I think is the key here, and he feels terrible 24-7. Yeah, for sure. Well, it sounds like, you know, since he's got mold issues, mold can just drive up inflammation throughout the body and create basically like a cytokine storm where there's just massive amounts of inflammatory activity in the body. And that obviously can impact how you're digesting food because digestion itself is a stressful uh, process in the body. And when we're trying to digest and break down food, we are creating waste products as well. And if somebody's already hyper-inflamed, Oftentimes eating food, even food that we consider anti-inflammatory can still trigger inflammation in the system. So we've got to get to that root cause factor. And I'm glad that, that he mentioned mold because, yes. you know, that's the first thing that we would, we would go to if he already knows that he's dealing with some, some level of mold, whether it's mold in his home, mold in, you know, his office building where he's working, we have got to address that. So, you know, I would highly encourage him to you know, if it's in his house, leave the house, right? Go in and try to live with somebody else or try to find a place where, you know, it's as mold-free as possible and then get that fixed, get that repaired. Um, you know, in some way, obviously this is a this is a lengthy process, but do the best that you can uh, as far as that goes. You know, typically with mold, first thing you got to do is stop any sort of water damage, right? So if there's a leaky faucet or some, some sort of something that's creating like a consistent um, level of water damage that has to be stopped first for most people. It has stopped, but they just have had water damage and it never got fixed. And then because of that, the drywall and different areas like that have developed the mold and the mycotoxins are leaching out. And if that's the case, if the root cause of it has been addressed and it's just kind of like this mold that's inside of the walls, I would recommend looking at uh, dry fogging. And there's a company called Pure Maintenance. And they have, if you look them up online, I can't remember exactly their site, but if you look up Pure Maintenance Dry Fogging, you'll definitely find them. And they have, um, you know, representatives all over the country, all over the United States. I don't know, you know, how they represent in other countries or Canada or anything like that. But I know in the United States, they're all over the place. 
And they're getting remarkable results with their, their patented formulas. And basically what they do, I had them over at my house as well, um, is they go in, you leave the house for basically, you know, a day, right? Four, four hours or so. You can come back that night. They come in the morning and they just dry fog it. And of course, you show them any areas that are more suspicious. And they 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 also can look. They've got like a little moisture reader and stuff like that. So they'll look for areas that are more suspicious, spend a little more time in those areas. But the dry fogging technology can really uh, significantly drop mold and mycotoxins. And so then... Um, they'll test it, you know, they'll look at it uh, afterwards to to see basically how much they've eliminated. And it is very, very successful. So the only time that they're not able to have success is if there's an ongoing leak or ongoing some area like you have a your roof is leaky or, you know, something like that where there's continual water damage. But dry fogging can work really, really well. So I would recommend that's kind of the first step that he should take is do that, right? Right. And then from there, once he eliminates, you know, the root cause, um, you know, then obviously we can start working with digestion and, and diet and things like that. Right. So I thought of Sears, which is chronic inflammatory response syndrome. And that occurs when uh, certain people are more genetically susceptible to um, when they're exposed to certain biotoxins, they have a more difficult time. Um, getting rid of them in their body. So that can cause a lot of systemic inflammation and a lot of different symptoms. And we have an article on, on drjockers.com that discusses Sears, but he mentions feeling terrible and reacting to a lot of different things. So that's one of the first things I think of. Of course, addressing the biotoxin, like Dr. Jocker said, would be step one, um, but that would give you some other strategies you can incorporate. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, they're roughly about 24% of the population does not do well at detoxifying biotoxins, right? And so they're, you might be living with people that seem to be okay, not that any of us do very well in household molds, but for some people, obviously, it triggers a lot more inflammation than others. Um, and so you may be in that, you know, 24, 25% sounds like you probably are. So with that said, once you get the, your, 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 you know, your, your residential place or your office or whatever it is that's contaminated, once you get it cleaned up, make sure you get some air purifiers in there as well. Like the air doctor or the enviro cleanse, both of those are good. Um, I know we've got a great article on the air doctor on our website where you can learn more about that. It gives you a, a great discount on it as well. Um, so get that and put that in the different areas where you're spending most of your time, your bedroom, your office, um, wherever you're spending most of the time, make sure you've got a good air purifier in there. That can be really, really helpful. You can also diffuse essential oils. Some of those essential oils uh, in the air, um, well, really pretty much all essential oils will help to reduce mycotoxins or at least the impact of them. So peppermint, lavender, um, lemon, all the different citrus oils, grapefruit, you know, things like that can be really great. And that provides a healthier environment. And then also get, going outside and getting more fresh air, sunshine, um, going in the woods, doing forest bathing, things like that. That can also be very, very helpful overall just for your immune system, for calming down inflammation in your system. So that can be extremely helpful too. Yeah, these mold produces mycotoxins in the body. So you'll also need to address any mycotoxins mm. in your system um, to really heal from the mold issues. That's so a that, great point. That would there's be colonization. One other yeah. Yeah. Most likely, if you've been in there for a long time, there's just going to be some level of colonization 
in possibly your sinuses, your gut, right? Different mucous membranes of your body. And so um, you can get an organic acid test. We, I know we run those. Melissa's uh, an expert in, in analyzing those. And that will actually let you know more details about if there is colonization. You can also, with that, you actually in the same urine test, it's basically a simple urine test, you can get a mycotoxins test. And so you can do, do both with one test, uh, mycotoxins and organic acids. And that will let you know a lot more about what's happening with the colonization from the mycotoxins and the mold exposure. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so let's move on to Genevieve. So Dr. Jocker's question on cooking with extra virgin olive oil. So is it okay to stir fry food with EVOO and not lose its polyphenols? I've used usually used a light olive oil, which is branded as suitable for light cooking. But if it's okay to use extra virgin olive oil, I would prefer to do so for its benefits. You know, it seems like the advice on what oils to cook with keeps changing, you know, as we learn more mm -hmm. and more about what what happens with the oils and to the oils and um, compounds. And so what is the latest on cooking with extra virgin olive oil? Yeah, for sure. So with extra virgin olive oil, it is safe to cook with. However, you are going to lose polyphenols and some of the vitamin E, right? So when you're cooking, you're going to you're creating a lot of oxidation. So you're going to damage these quote unquote, you know, you're going to reduce the amount of antioxidants that are in it. However, um, the high polyphenols can help protect, like for example, extra virgin olive oil is a great marinade if you're trying to protect against oxidation, if you're cooking meat, for example, that can be really helpful or fish or something like that. So yeah, for sure with extra virgin olive oil, definitely you can cook with it, but you will, you just have to remember, you are going to lose some of the beneficial properties, but it will protect whatever it is that you're eating from losing or from creating more toxic compounds, right? And so I think that the benefits outweigh, you know, the downsides there. Light extra, or I think it was light olive oil, I don't recommend using that. Um, it's most likely tainted and mixed um, with some sort of inferior oil and it doesn't have the polyphenols. And so I would not recommend utilizing that. The best oils to cook with are gonna be the oils that, that create the lowest amount of uh, oxidative elements. And that's gonna be your fully saturated fats or the, the kind of fats that are as, as saturated as possible because Saturated fat basically means carbons with hydrogens, right? They're, they're, they're saturated with hydrogens. And that creates more stability as opposed to a, mo a monounsaturated or polyunsaturated where they've got double bonds. Double bonds in the actual chemistry structure are um, more fragile, right? They're more uh, susceptible to oxidation. And so what are your saturated fats? going to be like your beef tallow, your butter your coconut oil, right? So those are going to be great oils to utilize, but then extra virgin olive oil, if you enjoy the flavor of that, it is it is shown to have remarkable oxidative stability. And that's because of the high polyphenol con content in them, as well as the vitamin E. So that's a great choice. Just make sure you're getting a really good high quality extra virgin olive oil. Now I will say this, I will say that a really good high quality extra virgin olive oil, you're typically going to pay like $35 to $45 a bottle, you know, for like 16.9 ounces. So you may not want, it's a more expensive cooking oil 
than um, like coconut oil or butter or something like that. So you're going to spend more to cook with it. Um, And, you know, I, that's why I recommend making sure every day, every day that you're eating, if you're not fasting, you should be trying to get at least one tablespoon of, of high polyphenol, extra virgin olive oil in the raw state um, into your body, right? So you could put it on meat, you could put it on vegetables, salads, things like that, but it's so powerful for your body. So one to two tablespoons can be really, really uh, immensely powerful for your body because of the high polyphenol content, the oleocanthals and hydroxytyrosols that are just so good for reducing inflammation in your body. So you can cook with it, but it's an expensive, you know, if you're getting high quality, high polyphenol, extra virgin olive oil, it's an expensive cooking oil. What about polar compounds? There's another question about polar compounds in regards to cooking with oils. Yeah. So polar compounds are basically the oxidative elements, right? So polar compounds are produced when you're cooking at a high temperature. So you're cooking meat, you're cooking uh, fatty foods. They're going to create these polar compounds, right? That are very inflammatory and provoke oxidative stress in your system. So it's very important that you reduce the amount of polar compounds that you're being exposed to. And when you're cooking with a vegetable oil, okay, so if you're cooking with corn oil, soybean oil, like a lot of restaurants do, unfortunately, margarine, trans fat, you know, things like that. Um, A lot of places, you know, even for example, Chipotle cooks with rice bran oil, right? Which is a seed oil. And so they're creating more polar compounds. So, you know, Chipotle, we've all been saying, hey, that's a healthier fast food. You know, they, they do non-GMO chicken and things like that. Unfortunately, they're cooking with a bad oil though. So and this is what, and it's it's not just them. I mean, pretty much almost every restaurant, you pretty much have to ask. You have to go in and say, or even bring a stick of butter and say, hey, can you cook in this, you know, can you cook your, cook food in this butter to make sure that they have real butter that they're cooking with? Because most of them are using these very cheap, inferior oils. And what happens, the end product is there's a lot of polar oxidative elements that come out uh, on that food. So that's why, again, I only recommend cooking with a good quality butter. Beef tallow is a great one to cook with. Um, coconut oil is fantastic to cook with. And then a high polyphenol extra virgin olive oil. Those would be really the only oils I recommend cooking with. Some people will ask about avocado oil. You can cook with avocado oil. And we used to think it was a, it was all about smoke point and avocado oil has a high smoke point. But avocado oil has a lot lower level of polyphenols and antioxidants than extra virgin olive oil. And therefore, it has lower oxidative stability. So it creates more polar compounds. Even though it takes longer to smoke, to create smoke, there's more polar compounds, these oxidative elements in the end product. So I don't recommend cooking with avocado oil. It'd be much better to cook with one of those other four things that I recommended. Coconut oil. Um, beef tallow, or um, your your grass-fed butter, or okay, extra awesome. virgin olive oil. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah, and we were telling people a few years ago to cook with avocado oil. So <laughs> there's other videos that they'll see that yeah. will say that, but you know, we've learned more, right? So- In general, I'm more of a fan of eating avocados yes. than using avocado oil. I think you lose some of the benefits, you know, making that oil has not been shown to be really tremendously beneficial. I think it's a lot better than seed oils. You know, it is it is a fruit oil, 
and it's you know high in fats. It does have vitamin E and different antioxidants. It doesn't have a bad omega six to three ratio. So those are all benefits to it. But I think in general, I I don't like to me. I don't look for things with avocado oil in them to consume. You know, there's a popular mayonnaise out there with avocado oil. I think it's a lot better than uh, you know your your traditional mayonnaise that's out there, like the ones with soybean oil and corn oil. But again, I don't go out of my way to say, hey, uh, you know, consume avocado oil. It's it's a superfood. I don't I don't recommend that. I would recommend just consuming avocados. I think that's a great food to consume, and then stick with those other oils. Yes, and you mentioned going out to eat, and a lot of my clients have told me if I go out to eat, I feel terrible, and you know, it's mm. the French fries that I ate. I'm allergic to potatoes, and I usually say it's probably not the potato; it's the oil that the potato was fried in. You yeah. know, that's what's really causing that inflammation in the body the next day, and the reason they feel so terrible. So, it's a shame because it's great to go out to eat. You know, it's great to get out and be social and have a night totally. off of cooking. But it is hard to find food that you know that where any restaurant that cooks healthy because like you said extra virgin olive oil is 35 dollars a bottle so a restaurant's not going to be able to afford to do that so yeah most restaurants even if you ask them for olive oil they're going to bring out something that's you know 50 percent of the lowest quality olive oil and then 50 percent corn oil right and they'll say it's olive oil so unfortunately you know this is one of those things we bring our own uh to restaurants you know i never get oil added to my food like even if I order a salad, it's very rare that I ever have salad dressing. Usually I tell them to hold the dressing and I just get like lemons that I can squeeze. Yeah. And so I'll squeeze lemon on it. And honestly, it tastes pretty good that way. And then usually whatever I, I'm eating with that, I've got fats on, right? Or I'll ask right. for like grass-fed butter, or olives or avocado, guacamole, you know, something along those lines. And that's that's typically what we're doing. And you mentioned the, the um, French fries, you know, French fries definitely are going to be cooked in bad oils and at a very high temperature. And when they cook the potato, they're they're basically creating, you know, they're trying to get get it to to fry, right? And so they're they're creating kind of these really hard outer ridges on it. And they're creating a they're they're creating a lot of acrylamide, which is a known carcinogen, right? And that also is a robust creator of oxidative stress in the body. So you got the acrylamide which is a, basically a heterocyclic amine that's a known carcinogen. And then you've got the all those polar compounds, trans fats, polar compounds. So it's really, really you know robustly inflammatory food, one of the worst foods you could put in your body, honestly. So uh, <laughs> which is hold a shame. the fries next time. Yeah, hold <laughs> yeah. the fries, hold the yeah. fries. We've talked about oxidative stress several times and never really defined it. And a lot of my clients have asked me, what is it? And so I usually say it's the human equivalent of resting. How do you describe oxidative stress to people, Dr. Jockers? Yeah, you're exactly right. Rusting, or we could say browning. So you think about like metal when it's left out in in the environment, water's getting on it, environmental stress is getting on it, it rusts. You think about an apple. So the skin of the apple helps protect the inner inner part of the fruit from oxidizing. You take a bite out of it, you let it sit out, what happens? It browns. That's kind of what's happening in our body. We're browning. And that's why as people age, for a lot of people, if they're under oxidative stress, you'll see brown spots and they call them age spots, right? And this is literally oxidation that's damaging their skin. And so um, we wanna keep oxidation. Oxidation actually plays a very critical role in metabolism, inside of our body, 
It's very, very important, just like inflammation is, but we want to keep it under control. And by living a healthy lifestyle, we can do that, but by consuming foods, you know, that, that are high in polar compounds and things like that, um, we're going to ramp up oxidative stress and that internal browning. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. I just wanted to let people know what it is because it is talked about a lot. And I think it's hard for people to understand what oxidative stress actually is and the damage it can do to the body. So, yeah. Okay. Um, let's, let's do a couple of questions from little boy. She's always a good supporter and asks lots of questions. So she wants to know, um, do you have any concerns about oxalates? And I had mentioned oxalates earlier mm. or other anti-nutrients when one is aiming for a high fiber, low carb diet. If so, what do you recommend including more or less of? So the, one of the main yeah. high oxalate foods are, is spinach, you know, so I'm often that organic acids test we talked about, we'll look at oxalates and I have a lot of people come back high in oxalates. Now, oxalates are usually also linked to candida or mold that can be, fungal infections can be one of the highest main causes of high oxalates, but of course you can get it from the diet. You would really have to eat a lot of high oxalate foods including spinach. So um, what are your thoughts on oxalates and anti-nutrients? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, if somebody's on a high fiber, uh, low carb diet, some people do great on that. Some people don't. If you're not thriving, that is something to consider. Like if you're eating a diet, you feel amazing on it. Okay. It's working for you. For right. you know, and But if you're not, especially if you've got more digestive issues, pain in your body, brain fog issues like that. These are some common issues that are associated with oxalates or if you had a history of kidney stones. Um, and that would definitely be something to consider. So the highest oxalate foods are going to be things like spinach, chocolate, nuts, and seeds in general are pretty high in that. So those would be like the main things that I would focus on. Beets also, beets are, can be very high. So you might try eliminating those, right? And, and see what you notice. For example, um, I like using arugula. Arugula is a lower oxalate green leafy vegetable as opposed to spinach. Arugula also has, you know, astringent qualities and, um, you know, it's more of like a bitter herb, which is great for the liver, helps stimulate bile flow, right? Good, a lot of good benefits to it from that perspective. Astringent types of foods as well, also really good for the gut microbiome. So, um, so those are, are, that's, you know, a great substitute. So try minimizing or reducing some of those higher oxalate foods. If you're on a high fiber diet, there's no way you're going to get rid of, you know, all the oxalates because that's what they're in. They're in your plant foods, right? So your higher fiber types of foods, but you can try that to begin. And then another strategy is if you do well with citrus is squeeze lemon, right? Do you lemon on your lemon juice on your food? Lemon has natural citrates, has magnesium, potassium citrates, that can help bind to oxalates and help pull them out of the system. And so that can be very, very helpful. You can also even just take a supplement. I know we have people supplement with magnesium, potassium citrate, and that can help bind to oxalates and help, help eliminate them. So that's also very, very beneficial. And then just making sure that you know your, your digestive juices are flowing well, your stomach acid, bile, pancreatic enzymes are all flowing really, really well. So you're able to optimize your digestion that you've got good, healthy gut microbiome. So possibly supplementing with probiotics or something like that can be also very, be very beneficial. 
right. And, and normally the gut doesn't absorb um, oxalates from the diet because it's metabolized by the flora or it leaves through yeah. when we have bowel movement. So we, we need to look at if you are high in oxalates, what's contributing. And if there's gut inflammation, then a lot of the dietary oxalate will be absorbed. So it always, like I said before, going back to the gut and you know making sure you don't have any infections or any other things contributing to inflammation, and then also looking at candida or um, mold as being contributing to high oxalates. But oxalates are in really nutritious foods, even berries. So before a person starts restricting oxalates, I want to know that it's a problem for them. You know, so if anyone's listening to this and hearing us, we're not saying to stop eating spinach and berries and nuts. But if you're if you do have symptoms like joint pain or brain fog or other issues that are kidney stones and you want to test for oxalates, then run that simple urine test and find out if you do have high oxalates. And then you can look at reducing some of the high and very high. So I usually send people, there's a a list um, on a website called lowoxalate.info. Dr. Jockers and I are both certified bioindividual nutrition coaches. And the, the woman who runs that program shared this list. This is what she recommended that we look at. And when I send the list to people, I tell them, slowly reduce the high and very high. So you don't want to go from a high oxalate diet to a no oxalate diet. You will have terrible symptoms. It's called oxalate dumping. But if you want to reduce some of the very highs, which are the foods we've talked about today, or the highs, slowly reduce those and see if your symptoms improve. Yeah, that's great advice. I just want to interrupt this podcast and take a moment and tell you about the importance of electrolytes. We all need electrolytes in order to produce energy, in order for our nervous system to function well on a daily basis. And most people are just not getting enough electrolytes, especially when they start on a low carb ketogenic style diet or if they're doing intermittent fasting. And this is because when you go on a low carb diet or if you're practicing fasting, you get a big drop in insulin. And insulin's job is to actually cause you to retain sodium and other electrolytes. And so you actually start urinating them out. So when you're on a low carb diet, you're burning fat for fuel, but you need more electrolytes. In fact, there's a condition called the keto flu. And this is where people feel really bad when they start on a low carb keto style diet, or if they start doing intermittent fasting and they don't have the electrolytes to support them. This is why I'm a huge fan of Element. It's L-M-N-T, that's the name of the company. And they contain a science-backed electrolyte ratio. That means 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, none of that stuff. You know, the average sports drink has 260 milligrams of sodium. That's not enough. 65 milligrams of potassium. That's a really low amount. They don't have magnesium. And the average sports drink has 29 grams of sugar. That's gonna spike your blood sugar and your insulin levels. Element, again, has 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. No sugar. It's flavored with stevia. And right now, as a member of our community, Element has a very special offer for you. You can get a free sample pack of seven different packets 
of each flavor. They have great flavors, citrus, raspberry, watermelon, orange, again, all flavored with stevia, all natural sweeteners, not gonna impact your blood sugar. They also have an unflavored, so if you're not into that or if you don't do well with stevia, you get the unflavored as well. But you can get the sample pack now for free and you only cover the cost of shipping, which is roughly $5. Just go to the site, Drink Element, so drinklmnt.com forward slash drjockers. Again, that's drinklmnt.com forward slash drjockers to get your free sample pack of Element. Again, Element is a healthy alternative to sugary electrolyte drinks. Each grab-and-go stick pack replaces essential electrolytes with no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, or any other junk. Guys, try this out. You're going to see a big jump in your energy and your performance. I mean, if you're a high-level athlete, you need electrolytes. Try this out today. All right, I think we're up for our last question here. Okay, so what are the best foods to avoid and consume for anxiety and depression? Anxiety and depression. So when I think about brain health, particularly when it comes to mood health, there's a couple of key nutrients I think about. One is omega-3 fatty acids. I think that's really, really powerful, very well studied for helping improve neurotransmission, improving and optimizing um, neurotransmitter sensitivity at the synapse and at the uh, at the cell cell, the neuron cell membrane. And so wild caught sockeye salmon, one of the best things you can get for you know high quality omega-3s, just good wild caught seafood in general, probably one of the best things there. Um, grass-fed animal products, grass-fed pasture-raised eggs can also be really, really good because they've got phospholipids, they've got omega-3s, they've got fat-soluble retinol and vitamin E, choline, really great nutrients for brain function. So that would be at the top of my list. Um, you know, also I would think, uh, just good, healthy fats. So we talked about extra virgin olive oil. So olive oil has something called hydroxytyrosol, which crosses the blood brain barrier has been shown to be very, very good for reducing inflammation in the brain. And anytime I think about depression, anxiety, I think about inflammation, brain inflammation. So that's going to be really good, really powerful there. Um, I would also think foods that are high in, uh, a good form of vitamin B12, right? As well as just B vitamins in general. So grass-fed beef, uh, pasture-raised eggs, right? A lot of those types of foods, again, really supportive of brain function. There's also creatine in there, which can be helpful for brain as well. Um, so all those things can be can be really, really helpful. Um, if you don't have the oxalate issue, dark chocolate can be somewhat beneficial, but you wanna make sure you get it without sugar dark chocolate can uh, help support serotonin, dopamine, right? And kind of help balance some brain chemistry in there. So a lot of people notice that they just feel a lot better, helps stimulate uh, endorphins for feel for kind of a feel good type of feeling, like a bliss type of feeling. A lot of people notice that when they consume a little bit of chocolate. It's also rich in magnesium. And whenever we're thinking about anxiety and depression, we also have to consider magnesium levels, right? So a lot of these animal foods I talked about are good sources of magnesium. Dark green leafy vegetables are a great source of magnesium as well. And dark chocolate, very good source of magnesium. Avocados have magnesium in them. So those would be the foods that that jump off to me. How about you, Melissa? Anything I'm missing there? 
Well, I'm thinking about the gut because the gut and the brain are intricately connected. Mm. So probiotic rich foods to help feed the good bacteria, um, you know, and, and more than just looking at food. So with anxiety and depression, I often think of exercise, getting outside in nature, moving the body that can be very helpful and then managing stress. Um, deep breathing exercises, making sure you're sleeping well. So lack of sleep contributes to anxiety and depression. So the the foods that Dr. Jockers mentioned, eating an anti-inflammatory diet can help with brain health. And then also, you know, taking care of yourself. So making sure you're building in self-care measures every day with um, whatever you need to do, an Epsom salt bath before bed. That gives you that magnesium Dr. Jockers was talking about and can help you sleep better. So just incorporating all these strategies daily. Of course, gratitude is one of anxieties you often link to fear. And so gratitude and faithfulness, trusting that the Lord's got you covered can help to with the, any fear that you're having. You know, faith is um, combats fear and gratitude combats anxiety. So I would encourage you just to maybe keep a, a prayer journal or a gratitude journal by your bedside and write in that before you go to bed. I know that I do that and it really helps me just sleep better because all the worry that I have from the day just kind of leaves so that I can rest better at night. So those would be additional strategies in addition to the foods that I would recommend. Yeah, I love that. It's great advice, Melissa. And these have been great questions, guys. If you haven't noticed, we got these questions from YouTube, from Instagram, from you know different social media channels that I'm on. So if you have questions, feel free to just leave them on our YouTube channel, or you can email them also at info at drjockers.com. And it may make the list, can't promise, but if it's a good question and we remember, we'll grab that and put it on our list of questions to go over on these Q&As. So thanks again for your questions. Guys, you can reach out to Melissa if you're looking for an amazing health coach to walk you through your health journey. Check her out, uh, melissa at drjockers.com. And if you want to find out more information about her as well, just go to drjockers.com. There's a coaching tab that you can click at the top and you'll find Melissa as well as our other health coaches. And you can learn more about them, see some of the success stories they've had. And uh, again, they work with people all over the world uh, through phone and video conferencing. So um, wherever you're at, they can work with you. So any last words, inspiration for our audience here, Melissa? No, I just, I'll leave you with that. those final thoughts about self-care, because I think that's key to having good health. We're holistic health. So it's mind, soul, and body. So get out every evening. I'm doing a walking challenge right now where encouraged everyone to go out after dinner helps with digestion it boosts your mood it helps with sleep and just walk for a mile after dinner get outside um that would be a, a tip for all of you so start evening walks a lot of my clients are doing it with their families and they'll send me pictures of them outside so that would That's be great. what i leave you with yeah love it and you can you can also follow melissa on facebook or instagram melissa nor n-o-h-r so look for her on social media channels as well so thanks again melissa and guys we'll see you on a future podcast be blessed everybody well that's all for this show and i want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today and if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper then drjockers.com is the best place to go if you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. 
Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.